0: Foundations
1: In the Middle Eastern culture, that for a, a son to go to his father and say, I want my inheritance, was literally tantamount to saying, I want you to die so I can get my hands on mm. your money. They still feel that today. That would be abhorrent.
0: Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. In the last program we began to learn about a mistake we often make About God and his feelings and we began By looking at the image of the father in the Parable of the prodigal son How does the father in that story Compare to the image of father God in the old covenant
1: Yeah again a lot of people have this Misconception that the old covenant Was an era of Time where it was all judgment That God had no love no compassion He was bloodthirsty tyrant and cruel And that we don't see Any mercy coming from God There's no love from God Until Jesus arrives and then becomes basically, uh, I will love you no matter what you do and everything's hunky-dory. We have this really poor image and a lot of it stems from this, um, again, we keep saying this Greek worldview and that goes back to this idea that God is emotionless. Mm. That he doesn't feel anything. Even Aristotle had the idea that if God could experience human emotion, that would be weak and, and pathetic, and so therefore he wouldn't really mm. be God. Makes him
0: less than God yeah. because he has emotion.
1: Yeah, but if he had no emotion, it puts him outside of uh, human. Likeness, but we have to understand that human beings were made and, and created mm. in the image and likeness of God, and we, the emotions that we it, we experience, He experiences also, but to a far more extreme level than we ever could. We kind of started to touch on the fact that when God sent the flood in Noah's day, He did it because judgment was necessary, but it was difficult for Him. And if you you take a look at that the Genesis account God was looking at his creation and he looked at them he said every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time and for a parent to look at their children and see them for who they really, really are. I mean, I look at my kids, and I only want to see the good. And, and I tend to sort of blink a little bit at their <laughs> at their weaknesses because I adore them. I love them. And I see that, okay, they've got their own failings and frailties, but I absolutely adore them. But for God to be able to look at his human creation, his children, whom he loves, and says, there's actually nothing good in them. Mm. I mean, w- we... Don't stop to think about what was going on in his heart But Genesis 6-6 uses a word that he was It doesn't actually say in Genesis 6-6 that God was filled with wrath And wanted to pour it all out on his creation It actually says that God was grieved in his heart And that grief was exactly the same word the Hebrew word is etsev, and it's exactly the same word that was used for the sorrow that Eve would experience in bringing children into the world. Mm. It's exactly the same kind of um, grief and sorrow that was described that Adam would experience in in the hardship of the world. Mm. The world was
0: toiling the, the land
1: exactly, and there was this sorrow. They had lost their unique relationship with God. They Mm. had lost the utopia of Eden. They were now living in a sinful world where death was constant and degradation, and so this is what they now lived with. But then after the flood of Noah, which was catastrophic, God says in Genesis eight twenty one, never again will I curse the ground because of man even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood and never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. You know when God can look at his creation and see it as only evil and yet not extend the judgment that is rightly deserved what does that express about his heart? Even though we've already seen that it grieves him. So it's it's kind of interesting that he has chosen, he has opted, rather than he is his right to bring in judgment, he has opted to continue to experience this intense grief and sorrow with his own heart alongside us who are experiencing Mm. this sorrow because of the sin that we are literally saturated with. And he is maintaining that grief in his own heart in order to walk alongside us mm-hmm. rather than destroy us. Yeah.
0: Which really is that mercy thing, isn't it? You, know, you said yes. that people think that God, there was no mercy from God in the Old Covenant. Well, that's mercy right there. God has
1: always been merciful. Mm. And the other thing, too, that we often don't see, think about is that when we say, oh, God is a God of judgment, he had to bring judgment. Well, why did he have to bring judgment? How would anybody know what judgment actually looks like until they see it? Mm. How would they know how expensive, how, ex, how evil, how deadly sin is until you see the consequence of it? You don't know how merciful he is until you've seen how he can be judged, how he can bring judgment and then not bring judgment and extend mercy. You don't know what it's like until you've received mercy. And so we don't know how expensive sin is until we see the consequence of it. Now we then look forward and we go, so he in, it wasn't plan B. Jesus was not plan B. Scripture actually says in Revelation, I can't remember the chapter, but in Revelation it says that the Lamb was slain from the foundation of the world, which means God knew before he created a single thing that his human creation were going to need a Messiah. And who was going to provide the Messiah? He himself would be the Messiah. He would take on flesh. So before he'd even created anybody, before one sin was committed, he already determined that he would be the answer for his creation. Mm. But you don't know the extremity of it. We don't until we see the consequences of sin and what he was going to do to remedy that. So you go back to this parable of the father and the son in the prodigal son. And we mentioned yesterday that for a son to approach his father and this is a very very uh, strong to this day in the Middle Eastern culture that for a a son to go to his father and say I want my inheritance was literally tantamount to saying I want you to die so I can get my hands Mm. on your money they still feel that today that would be abhorrent to them we tend to not think about that we don't see it that same way And yet we know that the father is representative of God and his rebellious son. We want it all and we want it all now. And we want it at the expense of the life of our father. We can quite happily do away with Mm. him. The grief that he would have experienced. That's us in that picture. And so you see this, that the God the Father, who ex- exper- as the Father in this story, experiences this incredible sorrow, this incredible pain. He willingly endures it every single solitary day, waiting, longing, hoping, do- doing everything that he possibly can to make sure that the door is wide open so that his son can come home and be reconciled and restored. And then not only does he forgive, He then lavishes Mm -hmm. so much on his son. And what have we been lavished with? What has the cross of Christ, the blood that was shed for us, what has it bought for us. It's mm. bought forgiveness. It's bought redemption. It's bought eternal security. It's bought immeasurable blessings into our own life. With the word of God, the 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 heart, the character, the nature of God explained and revealed in his word so that we can know how to live. This victory that he gives us, you know, uh, the capability to do things we would never in a million years have dreamed of, all because of the love and mercy of the Father mm. who should in fact Bring judgment I remember reading about a philosophy teacher Who was approached by one of his students Who asked a ridiculous question about Why doesn't God you know, do blah 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 Whatever it was His teacher said You've asked the wrong question Why doesn't God slay us all in our sleep For the sins we've committed Mm. He should But like the father in the parable He chooses not to Because his love for us is so extreme
0: Well, there's some great food for thought in all that. I'm sure we'll never read the parable of the prodigal son the same way again. Now, in the next program, we're going to be looking at the role of women in the Bible. That's next time on Foundations. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations.